the entrepreneur who fails the most time may have the most learnings, but it will be a much longer journey for them than the entrepreneur who knows how to get and extract the learnings and the knowledge from those that have failed before them. And so, you know, ultimately what we're offering is that a mass amount of learnings and experiences from all the years of failing and learnings from myself, you, the four other CTOs, the, you know, 20 engineers and product people we have on the team to be able to build a better foundation for our clients to grow. Rich, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be back. It feels like uh, you've been uh, producing quite a bit of content since the first one uh, kicked off, and it's been pretty cool to see, man. So I'm pretty excited to be able to get back and have a little time to uh, to chat with you. I owe the uh, full credit to you for pushing me to get this started, and then I guess I can take a little bit of credit for keeping it going. But yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride so far. On this conversation, I wanted to start with something that has been focused on a lot at Matter that you've been recently working on, which is building a new product. So you've been busy crafting, defining, and figuring out what this new product is. So why don't we start with just what is this new product that you've been building? Yeah. I mean, look, man, it's it, it, it's funny to think about where we are today versus where we started. And I mean, really, this new product or product that we've been working on the most most recently over the last you know five to six weeks is just accumulation of all the lessons we have learned over the years but you know essentially what the product is that we are calling it anyways is cto in a box um it's now starting to be called ciab throughout the uh, rest of the company but essentially it's 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 the concept of what we always wanted to do which is being able to provide all of the comprehensive services that a company, whether it's a startup, a mid-sized company, or even a larger corporation needs as it relates to what they're trying to achieve with their technology endeavors. Specifically, it always comes down to building technology products, right? And that's where a lot of, we have always lived as a business and, and where most folks think about when they think about what does it mean to have technology in your company, they think of a technology software product. And what we have come to learn is that the reality is the entire company is really a product and technology is just a component of your company to either help you facilitate your business, scale and grow your business, or literally your company may be built around generating revenue from technology. But the technology is just uh, 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 more of a minute, you know, component of what you're actually doing when when i say your it's our clients the entrepreneurs the 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 corporations which is building a business and so you know we spent all this time trying to figure out how to show people in technology based on our experience that like yes at the end of the day every piece of code that is written every line of code every feature you see in a technology product there is a face behind it so it does come down to people and building people, building synergistic teams around people and finding the right people with the right skill sets, the right competencies, the right communication patterns that fit and work together is ultimately, you know, the most important or most critical component of what goes into building software. But what we have come to learn is that the reality is there's so many other things that are important that go around that meaning 
the product planning and how you actually build a roadmap to determine what you're going to build, how you're equating that back to the business and what the business needs for why you're building things, what processes you're using from how you're approaching breaking down this large technology endeavor, the processes and systems you use to find people. What are the things that you should be looking in for people? How do you build synergistic teams? How do you create technical culture that scales? How do you optimize uh, efficiency out of each team member? You know, all of these other things that surround what really the output is, which is good software or good technology products. And we've been trying to at Matter give that to people, right? By saying, hey, when you work with us, when you hire our team members to build, you can get access to all this other stuff. And really what we want to do is come into your company and help implement all this other stuff because our goal is for you to be successful as a company, meaning be successful at building technology or remove the technology execution risk for you as a company for the future. And so, you know, the concept I think you and I always had when we started Matter was more around the idea of being like a start in, you know, we kind of called it a product studio, which kind of spurred from us creating our own products, but really being able to come in and, and help folks who may not have as much technical experience um, or have done as many iterations in technology development as we have or hiring technology talent, help them build their foundation and their structure to be able to scale their technical endeavors in a way that I think is more conducive for the growth of the business. And a lot of times we've seen a lot of clients and a lot of corporations where that hasn't been the case. And I think the thing we've been missing is, um, you know, funny enough, I mean, it's the same stuff that we're saying. It's the same services we're trying to provide. We just never really had a means of being able to communicate it and provide it. And ultimately what this CAB product or CTO in the box product does is finally gives us that opportunity to decouple this people concept from all the other important value that can be created and is just as critical to being successful at building technology. Um, so let me let yeah. me chime in there. And if I am running a company, maybe I've co-founded it, maybe I'm technical myself, maybe not, right? How is this different than me just going out and either getting a fractional CTO or getting a technical advisor, or going out and finding a co-founder, right? Does Isn't that a better pathway if I need these technical strategy and this leadership? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I think like the answer is that number one, what we have seen, which is why, you know, I would call it such a problem in, in our world is that majority of the time, you know, whether it's early stage entrepreneurs or even you know, SMBs or, or, or corporations that are well-established corporations that are trying to get into technology, finding that technical leadership is challenging. And specifically when you're an early stage startup, a lot of times, you know, you're trying to fundraise and while you're going through the fundraise process, most of the time you will not be able to have any access to capital unless you have what they will refer to as a technical co-founder. And that puts a lot of pressure on these entrepreneurs who, oh, by the way, this may be their first company that they're building anyways. So they're trying to learn and figure things out to try to force a fit. And what we have seen is that engineers who be, may be very great engineers or developers who may be very great developers inherently then assume a CTO role. Well, the reality is, is the importance of what the CTO actually is doing around how to build technical culture, 
how to find talent, how to create synergistic teams, how to build product process, how to build design process, how to manage all these other core components. These folks lack that skill set. They may be very good at developing technology um, and writing code, and they may be some of the smartest people in the room, but building technology requires, and, and, and not just building technology, but building technical teams and being in a seat to be that technical leadership requires a whole nother layer of experience, which is experience that we ultimately really only see, at least in my opinion, or where we see the most success of it comes from people who have gone through the process people who have gone through the journey, second time entrepreneurs, people who have exited companies, people who have actually scaled technical, technical products within larger corporations or have been a part of larger corporate growth. And so then if you kind of remove that bucket of people where, hey, it's really hard to go find a CTO, you then kind of look around at these other corporations or looking at technical, technical, other technical leaders and, um, they don't generally have as comprehensive experience of being able to build so many different products in so many different industries, or they don't really have the ability to then execute against the tactical plan. I'm sorry, the strategic plan that they lay out. And so, you know, with our offering, what we tried to do is bring both, bring the ability to have that technical leaderships and folks like yourself or, you know, other CTOs that we have in our world and our network who have been through every single type of situation you can imagine in scaling technical products or businesses related to technology, as well as bringing the part of delivery or implementation. So we can bring a technical leadership in, 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 into a situation, build a plan, build a roadmap, break that strategic plan down from what the goals of the business are with their technology into a way that can be tactically executed. And then guess what? We can tactically execute it because that's what we've been doing for the last seven years, spanning product design and, and development. Yeah. I mean, it's super interesting that you're addressing both needs of the technical leadership, but then also being able to do implementation, but bundling it together in kind of a comprehensive solution. Where does I mean, all of this sounds great, right? So you get access to technical leadership, you get as needed, you know, additional implementation work where necessary. One of the things that people will immediately go to is, well, that's expensive. That sounds expensive. Like, how does the structure work? And pricing models in particular, I think are, are one of your spe specialties that you love kind of thinking about how do you align incentives? So talk about what goes into figuring out a pricing model, maybe just broadly, and then applying that to, to this scenario specifically with CTO in the box? Yeah, I mean, it's been a struggle. I mean, this is something that I've learned since coming into this industry, you know, which I, prior to starting Matter, number one, my knowledge of technical development, product, product engineering and product development was very limited. And then additionally, uh, the world of staff augmentation, uh, for a lack of better terms, was very new to me. But the reality of what I've seen since being in this industry is the sheer fact that it's very transactional. At the end of the day, a lot of what it comes back to is time, right? When you're talking for us specifically in a service business, when you're talking about development or, or any of the things that we're doing, they're services. And those services relate to people putting in time. And the issue is that unless you're in a more conventional staff augmentation model, you cannot generate value that is not directly associated to this transactional component. Meaning, 
Right now, if you come and try to build technology or you try to do anything in technology, whether it's having somebody who can give you strategic advice and leadership or trying to actually write code or do designs, you have to have people in place. And so the conventional way that the world has done that is saying, hey, you need to hire people. You need to then be able to pay these people to have them in a stable place to be able to do your work. That's a very hard thing to break out fractionally for people who cannot afford the budgets to be able to hire full-time team members. And so what's the solution you have in the industry? Well, really there is none until I think what we have, but really then your other solution is then I can break things down into projects. Well, that sucks, right? For, for, for the client, because that's not aligning the incentives with the client, right? In a project-oriented mindset, I'm incentivized to do your project as quickly and cheaply as I can. That's not the best thing for you. So then if you're not going to the staff-hogging route, which is, hey, here's a person you have to afford to be able to pay for people, I'm incentivized to keep the person as long as I can. In the model that we're creating, we're trying to strike a balance internally for us where we can give technical talent stability to be able to retain them and attract them to our business, but also be able to offer to our clients just the value they need instead of having to pay more from it in the transactional sense of, I need to pay for a full-time person. No, I just need a code review. I just need this thing built. I just need that. So maybe it costs a little more upfront for those people to do that, but in terms of what it costs over a longer perspective, Number one, they can't get it anywhere else because no technical leader, no CTO like you or no really good engineer is going to come. Sure, I'll come build something for you for 11 hours, right? Nobody's going to do that. So you have no way to get that. And so, you know, with our model, we are creating stability in the back end for those people and then an offering for our clients where they can just receive the value they need without having to overpay for it or have budgets that are more conducive to this transactional concept of hiring people, right? So, you know, it's been a hard thing to figure out because, you know, obviously the thing that goes behind the scenes for us is how do we balance that so we can create a stable environment for people? And that's one of the more challenging things. But with where we are as a business and how we've kind of built our, our model and our framework, I think we finally have figured out a way where we can kind of bring a team together, right? As we kind of call it like the CTO team, right? Bring a team together where people can do more ad hoc hours. Now, maybe that initial hourly rate is a little bit higher than if you have this person in a full-time capacity for three months, obviously, but over time you're paying way less and we don't need to have those people do 40 hours a week to cover their cost. And so that gives us the ability to have a solution that all clients can have access to this type of talent without having to have the budget of what we see at these large corporations or enterprise companies or even really the SMBs who can afford to literally run or maintain a technical team for three to six months or hire people. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting model because like you just said, you get access to the best talent, but you only pay for what you need. And in traditional models, if you want the best talent, you have to get a lot more capacity, which you probably don't need at your current stage, or you have to get fractional talent, which is probably not as good, or your 
It's just they're not as committed, right? So either way, you come out ahead because Matter has this economy as a scale that they can leverage to bring in exactly what you need and you only pay for what you need. It, it, you mentioned one, how... Hold on, oh, before we move on, like the, the other key component too that I think is really interesting about our model, that's super different than, at least in my opinion, and from a mindset perspective anyways, when we are placing people in what we call now our talent management service or more in what you would call a staff augmentation, our idea of why we are bringing people or building squads or placing people into roles for our clients is more for that foundational element to help them build their systems and structures and bring the people in that can be a foundation for them to scale and grow. The life cycle with Matter, we don't want it to look like a conventional staff augmentation company. I don't want you to be staff augmenting people for five years through Matter. Yes, I am saying that out loud. Like that's not our goal. And if that's what's happening, we're not doing what we really want to do, which is be able to get in build the process, build the system and give you a foundation so that you can internally scale and have the tools and the knowledge and utilize our experience on how to effectively scale your technical teams so that you can build more product and get more effective utilization out of each team member you have. That's what we always wanted to do. But, you know, the the big bad staff augmentation world rules, rules the house, right? Because of all these very large companies like um, emphasis and, and, you know, um, Tata, right. Tata. And, you know, top Tau, but don't let them kid you. They're just a better branded or marketed Tata or emphasis. Right. So like all these other companies now, right. Exist in kind of this conventional staff augmentation model, but you know, their goal is to make sure that you stay staff off. That's not my goal. And that's why we've also created this product because we want to decouple ourselves from people. We want to be able to uh, give you objective advice. And advice as if, hey, Elijah's your CTO in your house. What is the best thing for your business to build scale and structure for the future? And we need to decouple that from for Matter's perspective away from people so people don't think we're just trying to push people. No, Matter has a talent management service. We built it in a way because this is our experience of how to find the best people and how to build technical teams the best way with our thesis and our model. But like at the end of the day, we're now decoupling it so that, hey, we'll give you our completely objective advice. You want to try to hire somebody off of Upwork? Good luck. You know, like we'll help you do that and we'll try to manage it for you if that's more within your cost range. And we'll give you our experiences, which is a funny story because we have a few of those funny stories. But, you know, like decoupling ourselves from people because the problem was nobody would listen to all this other value and stuff that we were trying to give them, which was the stuff that we believe goes into making the products better and making the businesses more successful because it always just came back to, well, I'm paying you for a person. So anyways, you know, I wanted to add that point in because that's probably the most exciting component about this, which is sounds silly, but us finally being able to be in that position where we can transparently and truthfully give the advice that we want to give based on our experience and not have it coupled to how we have to make money. And, and that's, a, that's a big hurdle that we've always had to try to figure out in, in this world. Um, and so this product kind of gives us that, that means to do so finally. <laughs> I think, I think those are really the parts that differentiate it for me too, which is that we can give the advice unobjectively or yeah, like unbiased, right? Yeah. Unbiased. Yeah. And objectively, and we can also build the process, right? So we're building your internal process for what goes into your internal team or external team doesn't matter, but building the best practices that we've learned over 50 clients right. or something 
and seven years of doing it. And then we can also get shit done, right? So we're still also getting stuff done on strategy and execution, et cetera. This is probably the first time that I've seen it, and I think you've seen it as well, where it's so exciting because the product market fits there, right? We, we kind of just started doing this. There's a lot of demand, a lot of excitement around it. People are like, where did this exist? But you also said that this is what we were trying to do seven years ago and only just now have really found the right structure, packaging approach to align incentives, all this kind of stuff that gets into it. What do you think it is about that journey that took seven years to find the structure that does have true product market fit? And what does product market fit look like now that you found it? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, just to start with the product market fit concept, I mean, to me, and I don't know if any marketing people are going to beat me up on this, but when I think about it and what always made the most sense for me is like, you have a problem, you have a real identified, a real problem that's a real pain for people and you have a solution and your solution is a solution that in our case, I think is one that there's not a lot of solutions for the problem that we've kind of identified. And we've seen this problem, which I talked a little bit about earlier of people not being able to find this technical leadership, people not being able to have this level of experience or not even you know, you know, just having more and more and more and more different types of experiences from from different types of technical leaders um, and guidance and direction on how to be able to build your kind of strategic pathway and plan for what you want to do with technology or how technology relates to your business, and then let alone the abilities to tactically execute it, right? But I think, you know, in the early days of Batter, the funny thing is, it's kind of how we started. We started doing what we're doing now through CT on the box, right? You know, it started really around you, um, you kind of exiting out of Lenda and moving into that position where you were doing fractional consulting as a CTO for a lot of these different companies. And, you know, matter, the, the, the way matter grew or pivoted off of that was because ultimately then it came down to like, okay, well now we need to tactically execute this. Now we need to go and develop. Now we need to go and design. Now we need to follow the product process to create technology. And for us at Matter, that's how we kind of expanded to be like, okay, how do we do that the best? How do we start to build technology the best? What goes into that component of it? And that's kind of what Matter started to grow. As we started to lean more into that, we spent all of our time thinking about how do we build technology better? How do we make our product systems better? How do we make our development more efficient? How do we make our design processes better? So we spent all this time building all this different type of technology across industry, industry and industry. And we kind of stepped a little bit away from that leadership part, that leadership or that advisory component that you get with the experience of having a CTO like yourself or someone else. And that ultimately came down to how were we making money? Well, like I said, behind every piece of line of code, every design, every product ticket ever created, there's a face and there's a person. And the way that people were paying for that was for people. And so that's where the business kind of migrated from there. But it started to then remove our ability to be able to have a voice at the table to communicate all these other critical components that go into building technology. And so the business just kind of moved itself away from that. And, and I think as we kind of got further into our journey, we flipped the switch. We said, okay, we're, we get how to build technology really good. We feel really good about our processes, our systems. We've built so much technology. Like we want our companies and our clients to be as successful as they can be comprehensively for their businesses. 
what's the pieces that we see most missing? We reopen the door and it's not that technology execution risk for the tactical component. It's the other end of the spectrum, which is the technical leadership and the advisory and seeing CTOs trying to be on interviews and making bad decisions and not hiring people and not managing teams right. And then we're putting people into those situations, right, through our embedded model, our staff augmentation model, and just seeing the nightmare that comes from it. And then we're like, well, wait a second. We know how to do that better. We can fix that. Like, listen to us, listen to us, right? And that's kind of how we moved back into now the CTO in the box product, right? Of being able to start there because everything does start there. Even if it ends with people or goes to people, it all starts with this other component that is so critical to being successful at building technology. You need the technical leadership, but without execution, it's nothing. Execution without good technical leadership is equally, you know, you're building features blindly and uh, can end up in a bad spot too. Right. And, and there's plenty of, of companies out there that can try to do the technology execution piece, which I think there's a lot of great companies out there. We've met a lot of great agencies in our time that are phenomenal at finding great people. They spend a lot of money on their recruiting, just like us. And, and they do a great job of building beautiful technical products. But at the end of the day, if you go back to what I said in the beginning, what do we want to do? We want to be more of a start-in. We want to help you build that foundation. And these other components that you see more likely tied to technical leadership and advisory are the components that miss or, or you're not getting when you're using a conventional development agency or just staff augment. And so many people, which I, I get it. I mean, look, it's a tough journey, but I get it. So many people think, oh, I could go hire people. I can manage them. I can figure it out. But like the reality is, is like time is money. Like the more you can save yourself in learnings by bringing in experienced people who have done it, if there's anything I've learned from building three different businesses, like that's how you more effectively and efficiently can scale your businesses faster and quicker. The, the, the entrepreneur who fails the most time may have the most learnings, but it will be a much longer journey for them <laughs> than the entrepreneur who knows how to get and extract the, the learnings and the knowledge from those that have failed before them. And so, you know, ultimately what we're offering is that, you know, uh, a mass amount of learnings and experiences from all the years of failing and learnings from myself, you, the four other CTOs, the, you know, 20 engineers and product people we have on the team um, to be able to build a better foundation for our clients to grow. For CTO in a box, who would this not be a good fit for? Who should not use CTO in a box? Yeah. You know, this is this is something I've been thinking a lot about. Truthfully, I, I, I think I lean towards enterprise companies, corporations. I think that, you know, what I have seen, and it's a, a thesis I wrote uh, something about on LinkedIn a few weeks ago, but with scale comes bureaucracy. And with bureaucracy, it removes innovation. To create innovation, you need agility. And... Agility, meaning you need people to be able to try things, fail, and try something else. You need people to be able to make decisions quickly. You need people to be able to move nimbly to make those decisions. You need people to be able to try different tools. You need people to be able to access different information. As a corporation is scaling and growing, it's hard to not put bounds in place to maintain growth. 
at the level that we see a lot of corporations do it at. The best technology companies in the world have this problem. And that trickles into what does their technical culture look like? Because you start to remove this component of what I think is so valuable for um, innovation out of these cultures because of their desire and need to scale and what that requires them to have to enforce. And so as I think about, you know, how do we work with our corporate clients now, you know, the truth of the matter is the reality of, of the situation is that um, it's a little bit of, well, we know it best, or we can find people who can do it better. And a lot of what that means is you end up kind of just being pushed into a staff augmentation perspective, which is, it's, it's a funny thing to sit here and talk about because it's not cost effective. It's not aligning goals. That's why a lot of corporations treat vendors like vendors, which is not very good, right? But if you look at some of the, the, the largest companies in the US anyways, 75% of their technical workforce is through vendors. And most of those vendors are just very transactional, right? And I'm going to get data emphasis, right? Like I keep naming them. And, and I think that the funniest thing is, is that those people probably, um, you know, they're, they're handicapped. They're handicapped by where they're at with scale and bureaucracy. And then the level of what you see a CTO or what a technical leader looks like in one of those organizations is just so far removed from the experience and the skill set of agility and innovation, which can be really, really critical in today's day and age to create better digital experiences. So those companies have uh, a challenge. And I think for us, you know, CTO in the box, right? It doesn't really resonate with those companies because they can bring in the top CTOs. They're hiring, they're acquiring them from, they're literally buying companies. So they are their exit in a lot of times and they're bringing in great technical leadership and technical people. But yet, why do they still have a problem successfully having digital transformations? And we've seen this with First Republic, right? Firsthand, we were in there trying to help them with their their transformation, right? Um, so- you know, it, it continues to be a way that I think I try to think about how to solve, but a lot of times it's hard because um, it's just a matter of getting people to listen. But, you know, essentially on the enterprise side, we're inventing a product that's called Innovation Labs. Um, very similar concept to what you we talk about with CT on the box. But the idea is that for these enterprise clients, let us create outside of your systems and framework your own structure and foundation to be able to create better digital products or better software because we can create a different type of technical culture. We can put different systems in place to remove, remove the handcuffs that come with bureaucracy so that we can stimulate creativity and innovation and move in a more of an agile manner to help you produce better software, whether it's software to solve internal problems whether it's software to reinvent your digital presence, whether it's software to help generate money. But that's more of what I have seen be successful with enterprise companies. And there's some very large agencies that we're friendly with that do it very, very well. Theorem was one of them and they're now acquired, right? But S4, but they're a company that really figured out how to do that. And they do it very, very well. They can bring in you know, the best experts in any particular area build a foundation and a baseline so that they can then also tactically execute about the uh, for development or the product components to be able to help these enterprise create better solutions. Otherwise, 
the only other thing that we've really seen in that enterprise space, as we all know, right, is 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 the good old pie in the sky Salesforce, right? <laughs> so it's the hey, here's a pre-built solution that's not really pre-built, and it can do all the things that you really need with no customization, but it requires a ton of customization. That's the truth. Like here you go, you want to buy it for any dollar amount, we can do it, right? So it's like hey, here's here, bring in Salesforce, bring in MuleSoft, bring in some suite of solution, bring in service now, right? The reality is, is then. Most of the time, what happens is they spend two to five years spending a ton of money doing custom development, even though the enterprises don't consider it that. And 90% of the time, they don't even achieve what they're trying to achieve. And the digital experience is trash because you can't innovate. <laughs> and, and so, you yeah, know, it's, it's interesting yeah. to kind of hear about the, you know, the different, like at the end of the day, the dichotomy between early stage companies and then big companies the solution maybe has similar threads, but the execution and implementation of it are fundamentally different. Um, from from my perspective, you know, it's been exciting to kind of build all of this out over the past, you know, whirlwind two months or so. And even just to hear about how you're thinking about how to apply the same structure to the enterprise side, what that looks like in the next three months or six months, we'll have to get you back on to kind of talk about that a little bit more. Totally, man. It was a uh, fun. It's always cool. You know, one, one concept you and I've talked about, which I'd love to kind of see us incorporate a little bit more in your pod is, um, the idea of just giving people transparency and insight into the discussions that you and I have on a daily basis, um, uh, which is how do you run a business? How do you do these certain things in a business? How do you hire? How do you build a product? How do you kind of talk, talk about a lot of this stuff? Cause you know, truthfully, this is the stuff we talk about every day, you know, it's, and I think there's not enough content out there for people who are trying to level themselves up to honestly have the truth, to have the transparency behind what happens behind closed doors. How do we talk? How do we do these things? Um, and I think that's something that like I feel really passionate about of if I can help in any way, help people learn from my experiences and my failures, which um, are every single day I'm failing. Um, and learning something, I think it's just such a powerful, a powerful, you know, piece of content or tool for folks. So, you know, happy to be a part of this. Glad you invited me on and, uh, let's get back at it, man. We got some work to do. Sounds good. To that point, if anyone wants to get in touch with you or find you online, where should they go? Yeah. I always say LinkedIn email, my matter email. I'm terrible at, at email, but if you're super serious about getting in touch with me, um, there's ways you'll get me. Um, I try to be pretty responsive to, to things I think are real. Uh, 95% of the time people are trying to sell me something. Typically it's services that we sell. I don't get that, but anyways, yeah. Look me up on LinkedIn. Thanks, Rich. All right, man. Yeah.